Welcome into another episode of the Bant TC Football Pod with Nick and Cody. We have week two matchup previews here tonight. We are recording a couple hours before the Chiefs and Chargers play on Thursday night football. We previewed that one on our previous episode. Cody, I know you're sitting on pins and needles over there. How are you feeling about the Chiefs tonight? Oh, can't wait. Already got the bar picked out. Just uh, just got to get there. Going to go enjoy some, some adult beverages and hopefully uh, watch the Chiefs victory tonight. But uh, anyone who is listening, if you could please like, comment, subscribe, all of the good stuff. I know Nick and I would both greatly appreciate it. Uh, but Nick, I know we got a big episode ahead of us. So if you want to, let's go ahead and roll right into the news and notes. Yeah, in the interest of getting you out of here so you can go watch your Chiefs get spanked by the Chargers, we'll start with uh, the news and notes <laughs> update. Everybody on uh, some of these injuries we've got going on, you're going to have to just kind of monitor them as the week goes because we don't have a ton of answers definitively yet on a lot of these guys, but uh, these are the updates we have at the moment. Alvin Kamara dealing with that rib issue uh, may have been part of the reason he was limited in his touches last week. Latavius Murray was signed to the practice squad, so it seems like the Saints are taking a cautious approach here. I would expect him to play, but um, I would just, again, monitor this situation and see if he at least logs a limited practice before the weekend's. Prescott did not get put on IR, so Jerry Jones' proclamation that he will be uh, back within four weeks. I guess somebody on the team believes him as well, so we'll see what happens with Dak. I would hope that he uh, stays out long enough to, to, to actually get this thing to heal right, though. We saw with Russell Wilson last year what happens when you come back too early with uh, a hand injury for a quarterback. TJ Watt, uh, only going to be out for about six weeks, not the whole year. Great news for the Steelers. Uh, he did go on IR, so he will miss at least four weeks, but the timeline is uh, about six weeks right now. That's the projection. Ty Montgomery got put on IR. This one's actually pretty important. Uh, for the Patriots, he played basically the third down uh, James White role in the first week there, so it'll probably just be Stevenson and uh, Harris splitting the work uh, evenly, and if one of them is able to you know, have half the – Early down work and has the passing down role, they could be pretty interesting. So now that Ty Montgomery's out of the fold, one of those two could emerge. Uh, the Bucks wide receiver room is beat to hell right now. Julio Jones missed practice on Thursday. Mike Evans missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Russell Gage is limited. Dick Godwin is also probably going to miss this game. Uh, definitely makes me want to uh, stream somebody for Tom Brady if you can. I'm not dropping him to, uh, to, to stream for him, but... Um, yeah, definitely makes me worried about Tom Brady. Hopefully at least one or two of those guys uh, makes it uh, for Sunday because otherwise he's going to be dealing with a lot of backups out there against a good defense. J.K. Dobbins practiced in full. He's still questionable, uh, so not assured to play this week even with the full practice, but that's good news for him in general. I think your first game back with Dobbins, you're, you're uh, waiting and seeing anyway, so I'm not really uh, – not actionable news, but good for Dobbins owners to see him out there. Kittle uh, also did not practice again Thursday. Uh, seems like he's going to not play again this week. Uh, DeAndre Swift also did not practice. Uh, he has an ankle issue. He said he will be fine, but the team signed Justin Jackson from their practice squad. So interesting note there. Uh, the team says with their roster move that they are a little bit nervous about the Swift situation. So again, just monitor. He's, uh, if he's in there, you're probably still playing him. T. Higgins progressing well from his concussion. He has a chance to play, but uh, even if he doesn't, just good news that he is uh, progressing well from that concussion, and I would not worry about playing him if he's healthy. Usually uh, concussions are pretty black and white. If he's cleared, he should be good to go. 
Anything you want to talk about from the news and notes, or uh, can we get into this uh, trade value segment, Cody? Uh, I'll just hold off on a lot of my comments because we'll end up talking about these players a second time. But TJ Watt not being out for the full year was probably the biggest news there for uh, the chance of the Steelers sneaking into a playoff spot. I mean, if he was out, I feel like their season was shot, and now they might have hope to uh, repeat what they did last year. So that's really quick, really cool for them. Yeah, geez, he is just an incredible He's player. Amazing. One of the, I mean, God, and single-handedly just makes that deep, turns that defense into an absolutely elite unit. He's, yep. he's incredible. But um, so before we get into the matchup previews here, I want to run through a couple guys uh, that I like as buy lows, and then we're going to get to a couple guys I like as sell highs as well. And then Cody, I'll just have you kind uh, of tell me what you think about these guys. I don't think they're going to be sure. too controversial. Um, they're kind of a little bit obvious for some of them, but. Um, I'm just going to give my reasoning on them. So uh, in no particular order here, I kind of like all three of these pretty similarly, both for the buy lows and the sell highs. We'll start with the buy lows. Uh, Mike Williams is at number one. I think this one's pretty obvious. You know, he's kind of a boom bust guy, had a bust week to start week one. If you can get a Mike Williams manager that's uh, nervous about his target share or just, um, you know, thinks he's going to be inconsistent throughout the year, I'd go ahead and bite there. Uh, you might not have time to do that if we're sp if you're hearing us on Friday and he had a big game Thursday night. But um, Mike Williams, I think, is a great buy low after week one. Uh, just, you know, this is just kind of what Mike Williams does. He will have bounce back games in the future. And uh, my second buy low of the day is Aaron Jones. This one's a little bit more controversial. I think I've had some people that I've seen on Twitter sort of panicking about Jones after uh, Dylan led in touches 16 to 10 last week. But I will say that Jones outsnapped Dylan uh, by, I think it was about 60% to 50%. So he was still the lead guy. It was about what it was last year. And he ran the most routes out of any Packers player, running back or wide receiver. So he will see more involvement in the uh, in the passing game. The, the whole Packers offense really just didn't have a great day. So I think that's kind of why you saw Jones with the low totals there. Better days are ahead for Aaron Jones. If you can get him at RB2 value, I think he's going to be a low-end number one guy the rest of the year, especially in PPR leagues. Allen Robinson is my third buy low. This one is only for those with, uh, you know, some metal in their stomach because this is a little <laughs> bit nerve-wracking for me. I definitely downgraded Robinson a little bit from where he came into the year after week one, but maybe not quite as far as I've seen some people really just uh, completely out on him after that week one dud, but... Uh, I think there's still opportunity in this Rams offense. They will be better. Uh, they played the best team in the NFL in week one, so it's unfair to judge them based on that game solely. Robinson was out there the whole time. He uh, ran just as many routes as Cooper Cup did, so I think better days are ahead for Allen Robinson, and if you can get him at uh, you know wide receiver three or even low-end wide receiver three value, I think you're looking at a low-end wide receiver two the rest of the year. Yep, so I love Mike Williams and Aaron Jones. I think those are great by low targets. Allen Robinson, I'm definitely one of the people that are hesitant hesitant on him. Biggest thing is we just haven't seen him be good in a few years now, and I don't want to say that he's going to end up playing like he did in week one all year long. I'm sure he'll get some more rapport with Matt Stafford. He's going to have some good games. That offense is just too good, but he just may not be the player that we kind of talked ourselves into believing that he was this offseason. So Nick hasn't valued right. If you can go out there and trade maybe a, you know, like a, one of the rookie wide receivers outside of Drake London for him or something like that, I don't mind that move. But I would, I definitely have him valued towards like 
like you said, a low-end wide receiver three. Um, you know, maybe he can get it back, but I'm, I'm hesitant on Robinson. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, the Rams have a pretty sizable financial commitment for this year and next for Robinson, so I think it behooves them to uh, make this work. And uh, again, I think this Rams offense will be a lot better than it was in week one moving forward. So he'll have a little bit more opportunity for touchdowns, which is kind of where he's going to make his bank anyway. You know, they didn't have a ton of red zone opportunities in game one. Uh, moving on to the sell high guys on the same team here. Uh, the Rams, Daryl Henderson is my first one. I think this one uh, just comes from the uncertainty of this room. I really don't trust the fact that he was the leader in the backfield last week. I think Cam Akers will end up getting worked in. It'll be a more of a 1A, 1B situation. And uh, at that point, I just think I'm cashing in on maybe somebody believing that Daryl Henderson is uh, what he was last year, which was basically an RB2 until he got hurt and then Cam Akers assumed the role. So I like Daryl Henderson. If you can sell him at RB2 value right now, I think you're looking at probably more of an RB3 rest of season. And then Jeff Wilson, this one's a little bit odd because he was basically one of the hottest waiver pickups this week with the Elijah Mitchell injury, but I just don't trust the talent here with Jeff Wilson. I've seen him uh, play in a full-time role last year. He did not look great. Uh, I think that he, that one of these two rookies could easily overtake him or at least make him split snaps, and then at that point, probably not worth what uh, a lot of people paid for him on for Fab this week uh, for the waiver wire. Uh, so if you can flip Jeff Wilson as a, a low-end RB2 value, I would go ahead and do it for sure. Uh, I just, again, this is kind of a bet against Jeff Wilson's talent for me. And then uh, number three is James Robinson. Uh, I guess this is more of a bet against Jacksonville as a whole. If there's going to be such an even split between these two guys, I find it hard to believe that either one of them will find their way into RB2 range. I think they're both going to be RB3's flex plays from week to week unless one of them emerges as the guy. And Robinson scored twice last week. That kind of inflated his totals there. So uh, you can't count on touchdowns, especially from Jacksonville guys. I think if you can flip James Robinson for RB2 value, I would absolutely take it. And then this last one, I want to get I want to get in right before you uh, react to this because I know you're not going to like it. But uh, my last one is uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair. I say honorable mention because... I think this one is pretty risky. He does, if he is the lead back in KC, he has league winning potential, especially where you drafted him in the sixth or seventh round. But uh, he had a really good week one. He scored twice, only touched the ball 10 times. They were blowing him out, so they took him out in the third quarter. But again, he was splitting snaps with McKinnon basically throughout the first half. And I'm worried he's just going to be part of a committee here. All right. So Jeff Wilson, Daryl Henderson, totally agree with you. James Robinson, I. I feel like it's hard to trade to sell high on them because I feel like people still have a lot of faith in ETN. So I don't know if you're going to get the value back for him that he's probably worth, but it's definitely worth shopping around. So all three of those guys I think are pretty solid. Before I get into Clyde, just out of curiosity, do you have a certain name at wide receiver or running back you would try to trade Jeff Wilson for? I have him in a league that he's on my bench. I don't really need to play him. And I just want to know kind of your idea of range that I can maybe go out there and target. Jeff Wilson, I think uh, a Christian Kirk is a really good target. I think he's oh, probably a lower-end guy. That, <laughs> that He could be a lower-end guy that would be on somebody's bench. I think you're going to sure. be hard-pressed to get a starter off somebody's team. So you're going to be looking for guys that were drafted in rounds 6 through 9, and uh, you're going to be trying to pluck some value off somebody's bench that maybe you could use in your flex spot moving forward. I think uh, Christian Kirk range is a great guy to target. Maybe Rashad Bateman. 
maybe one of those rookie wide receivers. Uh, I love those guys. They always get better as the year goes on. So if you could pluck a Drake London off somebody's roster for Jeff Wilson, I would love to do that too. I think that's kind of where you want to look uh, for value. Oh, Drake London then, is – that's a good – yeah, I like that yeah, a lot. Yeah, I, I think – Similar range for James Robinson, but you can shoot a little bit higher for me because I think uh, his past production, you could maybe talk somebody into, you know, somebody that isn't quite as plugged into fantasy uh, year to year might just see James Robinson and say, oh, he's been good his first two years. He was good his first game back and maybe overlook some of the red flags with the ETN uh, involvement and just sort of the, you know. The, the touchdown luck that he got last week that sort of propelled him into the, the role that he had. So um, sure. I think that's where I would be looking with those guys. Cool. Uh, anything then, else on the trade value segment? Or? One thing on Klein, I like that you added him as an honorable mention because I will say if he has another good game tonight, it may be not good game you know with how many snaps he gets or whatnot, but if he puts up fantasy points, gets in the end zone again, I would definitely consider trading high on him, try and package him with somebody and go out there and get yourself one of those RB ones that are out there. So uh, definitely dependent on this game. I don't think you could sell him after one game because it was, like you said, the snap share isn't there and he got into the end zone twice. So it's going to be hard to really trade him for someone of good value. But if he does another game similar to that tonight, you could package him with another wide receiver and potentially go get yourself a Dalvin Cook. So if you have CEH, that is an option that I would definitely leave open um, for him because yeah, if he's the if he's the running back one and he's getting and I think the the value for the Chiefs running back is going to come in the passing game because they run a lot of screens. So if he's getting a good amount of receptions every game, I would try and go ahead and get rid of him now before a potential injury comes in, which he's prone to have. Yeah, whoever's listening to this will have the knowledge of the Chiefs game from last night. So uh, basically, I would say that if Clyde is given, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the snaps and has uh, the same share of the work, I'd hang on to him because he could just be the lead guy here. But if it's, again, about 50-50 in the snaps and then, uh, you know, the touches are kind of spread out between him, McKinnon and Pacheco. And he, like you said, maybe falls in the end zone again or just has a couple big plays and ends up with a good fantasy day. Definitely try and flip him because I think uh, the inconsistencies will come in later the year with this committee. It's just hard to produce week to week when you're only uh, on the field half the time. So we will see how the snap share is uh, divvied up there in KC and go from there. I got one more thing here before we get into all the matchups because I want to plug this in before we get to, you know, an hour in. Make sure to check your waiver wire every week after the waivers run. I just checked mine in one of my leagues, and someone dropped J.K. Dobbins, which is absolutely ridiculous. So I'm not saying J.K. Dobbins is going to be on your waiver wire, but go out there and just make sure someone worth it was not dropped um, if you have not already. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, we haven't I think brought a lot that of people, up on the pod yet, so I wanted to make sure. A lot of people in. overlook the people that are dropped. They're just looking at who guys are, who is getting picked up, uh, who you know, like who people are targeting, how much fab was spent, yada yada. But that's a very good point. Always take a look at who was dropped. Sometimes people overreact to to, to one or two weeks, so you you might be able to find a little steal there if somebody drops, um, you know, somebody too soon. So, very good point there by Cody. Let's go ahead and get into these week two matchup previews. We've got a lot to get to, so we're going to start with the juiciest matchup of the week, New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. Joe Flacco and Jacoby Brissett, some of the best uh, the NFL has to offer here. We're going to start on the Jets' side of things. Um, 
this this uh, in all seriousness, this total screams uh, a game that you don't want a ton of pieces of. We have a 39 and a half over and under. Anything under 40 is just disgusting. Uh, Cleveland is favored by six points, so that gives even less uh, of an implied total to the Jets here. Um, but starting with uh, the quarterback position, we're not looking at Joe Flacco this week. Another tough matchup, and uh, yeah, not somebody that we're considering for fantasy even in superflex leagues. Running back room is where it gets a little bit more interesting. Michael Carter is probably the guy you're playing if you have both or if you're uh, having to lean one way or another. I don't mind Carter in full PPR, especially because we should see a similar situation where the Browns pass rush is going to be getting to Joe Flacco and he does not move well. So we're going to see a lot of targets to the running backs, I would expect. Uh, and then Brees Hall is kind of in the same category except a tier below. I would say uh, Carter is more of a PPR flex and not much else. Brees Hall is basically just a desperation flex you hope he has a big play and you hope uh you know the the dumping down that joe flacco had last week continues but i'm not super excited to play either one of these guys against a pretty good browns defense same kind of goes for elijah moore he's a little bit of a tougher call for me i just absolutely love the player but the target share is not what we accept uh not what we hoped last week and he kind of runs into a bit of an issue with uh the fact that he has to develop downfield routes and they can't do that when uh you know miles garrett is getting to the quarterback quickly and joe flacco is not able to extend plays so that's why you see a lot of those go those balls going underneath we're going to wait for a team that doesn't have quite as good of a front seven to be confident starting Elijah Moore. But uh, with that being said, uh, we have some lower tier options that may you might want to consider uh, benching if you're starting Moore right now. Would you start Elijah Moore or Drake London, Cody? Drake London, 100%. Elijah Moore or Allen Robinson in the same game as Drake London? I think I would lean Allen Robinson, but that's not saying anything about Elijah Moore. I just, if it's a repeat of last week, Joe Flacco looked horrible, and I just don't want to have to count on Joe Flacco to, to bring home a victory. So I think I'd lean Allen Robinson again. And then finally, Moore or his backfield mates, uh, Michael Carter or Brees Hall. Who would you start out of those three? Um, I think it would go Carter, Moore, Hall. Just because with Brees, you're really just hoping with limited work, he kind of pops a play. Michael Carter is just going to have, I think, more value on a lot of those. Um, you know, just, oh, I just totally lost my mind. But Michael Carter is going to get more, I think, more pass opportunities than Elijah Moore will. And when you're throwing it at the line of scrimmage as opposed to downfield, Flacco is more likely to be accurate with it. So I would lean Carter over Moore. Yeah, I think I would agree across the board on the way you rank those, honestly. So I think, uh, yeah, again, we're trying to avoid guys in this game to begin with. Uh, if you have better options, Completely. I would go that route. Same with uh, Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis. They both basically received the same amount of targets as Elijah Moore. So they're both options, just uh, a tick below Elijah Moore here, and we already aren't that high on him. So uh, we're, we're trying to avoid, if possible. Uh, moving over to the Cleveland side, uh, again, Jacoby Brissett, not an option from the quarterback position, even in a uh, super flex league. Uh, the running backs are absolutely options. You're certainly starting Nick Chubb, and you're probably starting Kareem Hunt as well. Uh, good matchup for both of them. The, the Jets were horrible against running backs last year. We're a little bit better in week one against Baltimore, but they don't have any of their guys healthy yet. And uh, who knows? It's a one-week sample. I would still trust uh, Cleveland at home favored by six points give me their running backs in this matchup uh, I'm starting both of them and then the pass catchers I'm staying away from uh, Jacoby Brissett is fantasy poison we've talked about that uh, throughout the offseason 
Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones would probably be the guy I would take a shot on if I had to start somebody just because of the target share he received last week, and I believe he has more big play potential than Amari Cooper at this point. Uh, but I'm probably just not looking towards uh, Cooper, David Njoku even, uh, Peoples-Jones. I'm waiting and seeing on all these guys. Uh, what do you think about Cleveland, Cody? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I completely agree with you. I would start Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and I would sit all of their pass catchers until I see Jacoby Brissett have a somewhat decent game. Yeah, I think the uh, the Cleveland side is going to be pretty easy for, as far as fantasy goes moving forward. If the running backs have a tough matchup, we can talk about it, but otherwise you're starting them and no one else. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Washington at Detroit. We'll start here with Washington Quarterback Carson Wentz had a great game last weekend uh, with the four touchdowns. He's a great streaming option. I'm sure he was on just about every waiver wire out there, um, you know, this past Tuesday. So if you got him and you are streaming quarterbacks, I think this is a good matchup for him. And it's a great option in two QB leagues because he's probably your second quarterback. So really, I mean, I really would good look. Oh, go ahead. I would probably start him over Brady, to be honest, uh, with yep. the current situation 100%. with his wide receivers. I'm glad we talked about that before we got to Tampa Bay. That's a great point. There's a lot of these guys we're probably going to mention we'd rather start than Brady, and we'll, we'll highlight yep. that a little bit more here in a second, but not looking good for him. Um, running back Antonio Gibson, yeah, I mean, he's going to be the workhorse there until Robinson comes back, and... Uh, you know, McKissick's probably going to get the third down work, but Gibson was involved in the passing game last week as well. So I think Gibson's a smash play. And if you're in a really deep PPR league, McKissick's perfectly fine as well. Um, probably not very very much high-end potential there, but if you just need someone to get you some points, he, he can definitely do that. And then uh, wide in the wide receiver room, uh, a lot more to talk about this week than we talked about last week. Terry McLaurin, uh, we Definitely going to start him. You just got to hope to hope that he gets more value or more volume this week. But still in that wide receiver two category. Uh, Curtis Samuel had a pretty good week last week. Um, he was picked up for over $20 in multiple of my uh, fantasy leagues this waiver wire run. So definitely some Curtis Samuel truthers out there. I think I would lean against that. But um, if you picked him up, I think that. I mean, if you paid up that much to get him, then I would assume that you're going to go ahead and start him. And then the uh, last option in this room, Johan Dotson. I think him and Samuel are both kind of in that same category for me. If they end up getting in the end zone, they're going to have flex value, but it's hard to see either of them really getting enough volume to be, you know, in that wide receiver two category where we're going to put Terry McLaurin. So... Uh, we'll kind of group some of these together. I mean, I think Curtis Samuel and Johan Dotson or Adam Thielen for you, Nick. Um, I think I'm going to lean Thielen in full PPR. I might go Samuel, but uh, half and nine, I'm going to go Adam Thielen. I think the touchdown potential is much higher, even though uh, Samuel and Dotson both caught a couple last week. Uh, but I just I think this is more of a uh, trepidation with the Washington passing game than last week showed. I'm not necessarily sold on these guys quite yet yeah for sure and then uh I, I think i would take london over both those guys would you agree with that i think in all formats i would i think i would take london over thielen as well so yeah i think yeah. i would go oh, ahead yeah. and take london uh i think they're gonna need to be throwing in that game against la and um yeah he looked really good last week against a good defense so he should be uh more of a featured featured guy in his offense than uh the other ones 
For sure. And then the tight end position, Logan Thomas, low-end streamer, um, just another guy you're hoping kind of falls into the end zone at the tight end position. So over here with Detroit, Jared Goff, low-end quarterback too. I think it'd be pretty tough to um, not have a better option at this point, but if you need a second quarterback, maybe you're in a 2QB league, Dak was your second guy and there was no one out there, you could put Jared Goff in. I think they have some good um, weapons here in Detroit, so... I think that he could make do. Running backs, DeAndre Swift, he says he's fine. The team's kind of indicating, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. If he's starting, you're playing him, but you may want to have a backup option ready just in case he ends up getting uh, getting benched. But it looks like, according to him, he will play, and if he does, put him in. Jamal Williams, Nick and I both agreed on this. Definitely not chasing the two-touchdown week he had last week. He's going to be involved. The Lions really like this guy, but ultimately I just think that um, his value is capped at a flex position. But if you're in a, a deep league, I understand it, but he shouldn't be touching a lot of people starting lineups. Um, and then the wide receiver room, Amon Ross St. Brown, smash play this week. Guy who could potentially break into top five, top 10 if, uh, if he gets into the end zone maybe a couple times. But Christian Kirk shredded Washington from the same position St. Brown plays, so I, this is a huge play for him. Now, this is a really good question. Amon Ross St. Brown or Jerry Judy for the rest of the season? I feel like Judy was going a little bit higher than Brown during the draft process. Um, and, Nick, I'm going to throw this one to you. I'm actually I'm curious what you have to say about this one. Yeah, um, I think I might show a little bit of my bias here, but I'm going to go Jerry Judy just because I really liked what I saw from him from an explosiveness standpoint last week. And I think the uh, the offense of the Broncos just has a little bit more potential than the offense of the Lions. I think St. Brown's probably a little bit safer, but uh, once Jamison Williams comes back, who knows if that'll eat into his target share a little bit. I think I would go Judy for the upside. Yeah, I'm in Ross St. Brown's just a just a volume play. I mean, he's the best wide receiver out there. He's going to get the ball thrown to him a lot. But, uh, you know, Jared Goff throwing you the football or Russell Wilson, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I think I'm leaning Judy there with you um, as well. And then uh, DJ Chark, I mean, if you're in a super deep league, I definitely don't mind it. He had a good week last week. And, you know, if he ends up getting in the end zone, he could have another good week again. So, um I also agree with Nick. Nick noted here he is a good DFS dart throw as well. And then the uh, tight end room here, TJ Hawkinson, mid-tier starter. Um, don't mind him. If you drafted him, you're playing him. There's probably not a uh, guy out on the waiver wire you felt better about. But I'm, I'm pretty low on TJ Hawkinson, to be completely honest. If, if you could try and trade him for maybe someone else in that mid-tier, like a Darren Waller or something, I would probably be looking to make a move like that. Yeah, I don't mind that either. I don't know how much you're going to be able to get for Hawkinson right now. Right. Off kind of a quiet week one. So I think your opportunity for that is probably after he has a good game. Uh, I think I would wait. But I, I think Hawkinson's a fine starter, but I don't really have much of him either. So I, I kind of agree with you. For sure. Moving on to Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Uh, this one, I think, has some potential for some live line movement here before uh, this game on Sunday. Right now, we have Tampa Bay favored by 2.5 and, and over under a 44. But if uh, they go into this game with you know, one of their healthy wide receivers out of four, I think you could see that swing towards the, the Saints' way. So 
I think I'd monitor those reports, but maybe put some bets down on the Saints while they have uh, plus money here. Uh, Tom Brady's also never beaten the Saints as a member of the Buccaneer other than his playoff win, so he's 0-4 against New Orleans. So, lifetime in the regular season as a Buccaneer. Starting with the quarterback room for Tampa Bay, uh, Tom Brady obviously uh, probably going to be starting him if you have him, but if you have an extra bench spot and you can stream someone like a Carson Wentz, maybe even a Derek Carr against Arizona, uh, even a... I'm trying to pick Kirk Cousins against uh, Philadelphia. I would definitely go with all three of those guys over Brady this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, the wide receiver room just concerns me, and he doesn't play well against New Orleans anyway, even when he has his guys. So um, this is a concerning spot for Brady. Uh, but again, I'm probably not dropping him to, to stream somebody. So if you don't have a bench spot or you don't want to drop anybody, then you can go ahead and play him and hope he uh, gets a couple touchdowns because I, I, I just don't know how consistently he's going to be really good without point. all his guys. I definitely would not drop him for a streaming quarterback. He's not in that category. It's just going to be a rough week for him. So that's a great yeah, point. Certainly. I love that. And uh, moving to the running backs here, Leonard Fournette, you're absolutely starting him. He's in the low end running back one category. He looked really good last week against Dallas. Um and he didn't end up falling into the end zone, so his week uh, was capped a little bit from a fantasy perspective, but he looked really good, and I think they'll be just fine. Cordero Patterson put up a pretty good week against the Saints last week, so I think Leonard Fournette can do the same. Uh, wide receiver room, again, we've talked about it. It's really going to all come down to who ends up being healthy. Uh, Mike Evans historically struggles against the Saints anyway, so these options are just a little, a little curious. I have a hard time really even putting much stock into any one of them right now not knowing what the injury situation is so i think you're basically just going to monitor the injuries here between evans jones gage and godwin assuming godwin doesn't play at this point the other three all have a chance and you know if it's one of them i'll go ahead and start them just because they should see a lot of volume but uh again i'm not going to be incredibly confident because these guys are going to be banged up and it's going to be a pretty good defense so i think it's really hard for me to say uh, one guy or another right now, not knowing the injury situations. But uh, if, let's say, Julio Jones is in, Godwin is out, Evans is in, and Gage is out. So we've got Jones and Evans. Would you rather play Julio or Darnell Mooney? Darnell Mooney. And Julio or Allen Robinson? This one's really tough for me. I was thinking Julio at first, but... There's a chance that whatever injury he has flares up and Allen Robinson's not on the injury report, I think I would go ahead and take Allen Robinson in a much more favorable matchup in Atlanta. Yeah, the injuries really complicate things here. Um, I think I'm trying to avoid these guys if I can just because we don't know what to expect right now. Uh, hopefully we get some more positive news as the week goes along. You can feel a little better yeah. about them, but I think Mike I'm trying Evans. to make other plans. 100%. If Mike Evans starts, you're 100% starting him, um, no matter who else is yeah. available. But Julio Jones, I'm definitely skeptical of. I know the footballers were like really high on him, but coming off of an injury, all it takes is his hamstring flaring up again, and then he's out for the rest of the game. So that's that's tough. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of risk you're taking on your fantasy team for you know a player that you kind of maybe need something out of, but. Yeah, I think uh, I can sum it up with by saying if Evans plays, you're playing him, and if Jones plays, you can play him, but he's a risky flex, and then I would say the same of uh, Russell Gage. He'd be a risky flex even if he plays. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the New Orleans side here, uh, the quarterback, Jameis Winston. I would actually call him 
maybe even a mid-tier QB2 now, uh, considering uh, some of the other guys that have fallen back a little bit with their pass catchers being banged up. Uh, but again, I think you have better options in a one QB league, uh, and he's definitely probably on the radar of uh, a super flex league, just on the lower end of the QB2 spectrum. Uh, running back room, Alvin Kamara, you're certainly starting him, but again, watch that injury situation. He was banged up with a rib issue coming out of last week, and uh, they did sign Latavius Murray to their practice squad, so it shows they're a little bit concerned about it. Just make sure he's playing. He's playing. Uh, if he's playing, you're playing him. Michael Thomas, um, he'll be put to the test once again here. Uh, has another good secondary he's playing against, and uh, we will see. I think he's definitely a startable option, but I think it's safe to say me and Cody are a little lower on him than the industry. Uh, let's just give a couple names here and see where we're at temperature-wise with Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas or Juju tonight against Casey? I think I'm leaning Thomas in that one. And then Thomas or DK Metcalf against San Francisco? I think I would lean Metcalf in that one just on talent alone, but Thomas has risen enough that that's – I would have to think about that one if I had both on my team. I think I would go Juju, Thomas, and then Metcalf myself. Uh, just a little bit of concern there about uh, the Seattle offense on the road against a good San Francisco defense. And yep. I think Michael Thomas has probably a better chance to score a touchdown if I'm uh, putting my money somewhere. But I think he falls he falls into the low-end wide receiver two, maybe high-end wide receiver three category. Uh, he's startable for sure, but we just kind of want to see one more week to, to declare he's officially back. Jarvis Landry uh, kind of falls probably a slight tier below Thomas uh, in most regards. I, I liked what I saw from him last week, but again, he had a good matchup against the uh, the slot corner of the Falcons, and you know I just kind of need to see it one more time before I'm going to totally believe he's he's back as well. I'd call him a low end flex in full PPR leagues. Would you rather start Jarvis Landry or Brandon Ayuk versus the uh, Seattle Seahawks? Ooh, uh, these two are probably neck and neck next to each other. Um... It's even tough because I can't even use like the quarterback as a tiebreaker because you got Trey Lance who's unknown and Jameis is unknown from week to week. So I think I would lean. I think I'm gonna go Landry just because even if even with the injuries on the Buccaneers, this should be a competitive game and there's a chance that San Francisco does beat Seattle pretty good and maybe they just aren't throwing the ball very much. So. I think I would lean Landry, but that's a really good question. Do you agree with that, or would you go Ayuk? Yeah, I'm a little scared on Ayuk after last week, only two targets. Right. Again, that game's kind of hard to take anything from with the the crazy weather. But I think in non-PPR, I'd go Ayuk half and full. I would go Jarvis Landry. Uh, the tight ends for the Saints, there's actually an interesting name here. That's Taysom Hill. Uh, he might end up fi finding his way into the streamer category if he's used in the red zone consistently. Uh, but again, I think he kind of falls into the category of the guys at the end of the list that are just, you're hoping they fall into the end zone or get you 40 or 50 yards. And he does it a little bit unconventionally by mostly carrying the ball, but I think it's kind of the same idea as the other tight ends, really. So um, I don't really mind him if you're going to throw him in your lineup, but just kind of know that there's definitely a chance he has four carries for 10 yards, and, and that's it. So uh, anything else you want to add on New Orleans and Tampa, or do you want to take lead on Carolina and New York? Nope, I think you nailed it there with Taysom Hill, so I'll go ahead and start with uh, Carolina and New York. So we'll start with Carolina here. The Giants overall favored by two points. Pretty low over under at 43.5, but I think that's pretty expected here. Uh, QB 
you know, for Carolina, Baker Mayfield. Nick has him as a low-end QB2. I would really hope you have someone else to start over Baker Mayfield. He did not look very good last week, and uh, I just, I've kind of lost a lot of faith in him. Running back, Christian McCaffrey, obviously starting him, no question. Uh, DJ Moore, you're playing him if you drafted him, but not with great confidence. Um, and if you have a chance to bench him, if you got lucky and maybe got a Mike Thomas or something like that, I, I would start Mike Thomas over DJ Moore. Would you do the same, Nick, or would you still? I would great? stick with DJ Moore for one more week. Uh, hopefully the target share comes back his way after Robbie got a slightly higher share last week. But, again, I'm not incredibly confident. I was never a huge DJ Moore guy to begin with, but I think I would bet on the, the for sure number one guy in Carolina if it was me. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I think we both had him pretty low, so no surprise to us that he kind of had a, a flop first week. And then Robbie Anderson um, might be back, may have just been a fluke week one. Definitely need to see it again before he touches your lineup. Um, if you're in a super deep league, I don't necessarily mind like a flex play, but I would not expect a repeat of what he did last week. And then uh, tight end position, Ian Thomas. Just no. And then <laughs> uh, New York <laughs> <laughs> just know there and the new york giants here uh quarterback daniel jones i i'm just going to go ahead and lead with this question i already said i was out on baker baker or daniel jones i would choose daniel jones i don't like either of them and it would probably like, daniel jones would be one above baker most likely in my rankings um so they're both right there is kind of on the out category nick do you agree would you go with jones or would you lean baker I probably would lean Jones because of his rushing upside. I really hope that there's no one out there that has to make this decision, maybe in a super flex league. But if you do, uh, Godspeed, and I'd probably go with Daniel Jones. Yeah, for sure. And then running back, Saquon Barkley, absolutely smash play. Wide receiver, we both agree, avoiding all options here. Um, Tony would be the only one that I would consider in a deep league. And that is solely based on his game-breaking ability. He looked to be completely phased out of the offense, except for a couple handoffs last week. So we definitely hope to see him more involved. But at this point, no options available. I would put Tony up there. Nick, is there anyone that you would even consider putting in your lineup in a deep flex position? Out of that. I think if I had to start a Giants wide receiver, it would be Sterling Shepard, just based on the rapport uh, him and Daniel Jones have shown throughout the years. Uh, but again, yeah, T Tony had only seven snaps last week, so he was basically he was a gadget a gadget player. Uh, they ran a couple end-arounds for him. One was supposed to be a trick play where he threw the ball, but he ended up just running it because it wasn't there. Uh, he actually looked pretty good with the ball in his hands like he normally does, but it either seems like the, the Giants just don't view him as a full-time player or he was working his way back from an injury. Either way, I want to see it first with Tony. I would probably go with Shepard uh, just for the, the guaranteed targets. Yep, I do agree. Shepard is the safer play. I just think Tony has the ability to, to break a play for a big one if you need that. So, And then tight end, uh, same thing with tight end. Just no, don't, don't put either of these two guys, Daniel Bellinger or Chris Myrick, Myrick. Is that how you pronounce that, Nick? My way off? Uh, that's that's as good as I could have done. I'm, I'm not right. sure either. So Cool. Well, we spent, we've spent already spent too much time on this game. Let's go ahead and roll this into New England-Pittsburgh. Another very exciting matchup here, uh, the Patriots and the Steelers. Uh, New England favored by a point and a half on the road here, over under at a disgusting 40.5. Uh, a couple games this week with two teams that kind of 
profile as more defense, less offense. So a, lot, a couple of really low over-unders that we can sort of uh, target these games and sort of pivot away from them. So uh, starting on the New England side, Mac Jones at the on the road against Pittsburgh. We saw what they just did to Joe Burrow. Even without TJ Watt, I'm not really considering Mac Jones. On the running back room, this is where uh, it gets a little interesting. I think I'm employing the same philosophy I had last week with these guys, which is I'm pretty much avoiding them. It worked out really well. None of them had good games last week. But, uh, again, this week, like I said earlier, we have the uh, the new wrinkle here. Ty Montgomery will not be playing the next four weeks. These two should get an even split of this backfield. And uh, without Ty Montgomery muddying the waters here, one of these guys could easily emerge as a legit fantasy option. But, I have no idea who to expect. Uh, I would lean Damian Harris' side, but again, I think you're just throwing a dart with one of these guys if you're starting them, but I'm hoping that one of these guys pops and you know definitely stash them on your bench, and you can hope with either Stevenson or Harris, but uh, I'm trying to avoid them this week if I can. Not really knowing what to expect without Montgomery there. Uh, and then wide receiver room, there's really no one that interests me whatsoever. And then same with the tight end room, to be honest. You can stream Hunter Henry if you want, but you're just hoping for a touchdown there. Uh, it's more likely that he gives you three catches and 20 yards than scoring a touchdown if, you, if, uh, if I were to, to guess against a good Pittsburgh defense. Uh, moving on to the Pittsburgh side of things. Um, again, this is there's a couple guys that are kind of interesting, but uh, beyond that, you're really not going to be targeting anybody in this game. Mitch Trubisky, uh, no thank you. Tough defense at home. We are, we've are we already seen what he looked like against Cincinnati last week, and it wasn't great. Uh, Najee Harris, man, this is a really, really tough one. I think it's incredibly difficult to bench someone you either drafted in the late first round or early second with Najee. But uh, I think if I nailed a couple late guys, maybe like a Daryl Henderson Jr. or like an Antonio Gibson, I might be trying to, to sit Najee this week. I think the, the, the foot or the ankle or whatever the injury that he has, they're not really disclosing much, is a concern. Uh, he dealt with a Liz Frank sprain in the preseason on the same foot, so it's hard to see those things not being connected. And I think there's a decent chance he is either you know not utilized in the same capacity as he normally is, which is basically the only running back on the team, uh, or he leaves the game early with injury. I think both of those are distinctly possible. So with that in mind, let's get a temperature on Najee Harris with you. Uh, Antonio Gibson or Najee Harris this week, Cody? So I'm going to lean Najee Harris, but I'm also just looking at my sleeper notifications, and he was changed from questionable to healthy. So not saying that the injury reports everything, but if you wanted to start or you have to start Najee Harris this week, that's very encouraging signs. Um, Gibson's a really good person to compare up to him because Gibson has a really good matchup where Najee's going to be going against the front seven of the uh, Patriots. So that's a really close matchup for me. Um, I think I'm still leaning Harris because I think he has the higher upside, but um, that was a really good one. And then the second one here, Harris or Edmonds, I'm leaning Harris completely on that one. Um, I don't know if you feel differently about either of them, but I think whenever I got the notification, he was changed from questionable to healthy the sit option for Najee kind of went away for me. I think he's back in my lineup if I have him. Yeah, um, I, I I would go Gibson and and Edmonds over Harris myself. I'm still concerned. Ooh. I don't think um, – I don't I, – I get the uh, the injury designation, but I, I saw what I saw last week with his injury. It didn't look great. I can't imagine his foot is 100% no matter what uh, the designation says. And, again, this is a tough matchup. 
They bottled yeah. up the Dolphins' backs last week, and New Orleans, I mean, the Pittsburgh looked horrible uh, on the offensive side, even when Najee was in there uh, for the most of the game anyway. So I, I'm i trying to stay away if I can, but you're probably starting him, like you said. there's It's really hard to avoid somebody who drafted in the first two rounds this yeah. early on in the year. Uh, from the wide receiver room, Deontay Johnson, again, uh, kind of a reluctant play, most likely, uh, in on the Pittsburgh side of things here. His target share was pretty encouraging. Seems like he is probably going to be the number one option in the receiving room, but a tough matchup and uh, probably more valuable in full PPR leagues than half and non uh, for Deontay there. And then Chase Claypool, pretty interesting. Last week he got six carries, uh, had about 35 yards. Um, so that's kind of interesting. If he ends up getting... You know, five-ish carries a week. I think that actually makes him a legitimate flex play, especially if they give him some work in the red zone in that capacity. Uh, we'll see. He's going to have to hold at about four to six targets a week as well. But if you're getting uh, ten opportunities and four to six of them are from the outside at the receiver position, you are uh, on the radar there. So we'll see if Chase Claypool actually holds on to those rushing uh, rushing. You know opportunities each game, or if that was just kind of a one-game thing, um, and then wait and see on George Pickens as well. Again, a tough matchup, and we just kind of want to don't don't drop him quite yet. I like uh, rookie wide receivers, especially Pickens. He should get better as the year goes on, but we need to wait and see on him. And then Pat Fryermuth, he's a fine low-end starter. The target volume was absolutely there last week. There's a chance he's the number two pass catcher in this offense, and. Uh, I would just temper your expectations a little bit with a low over/under game here, but you can go ahead and start Fryermuth if uh, if you have him. Yep, absolutely. I agree with Fryermuth. Chase Claypool just seemed more involved in the offense entirely last week, which is great signs for him. He's an insane athlete, so if he can get more uh, more targets as well as some rushing attempts, he's definitely going to be fantasy viable. And Deontay Johnson I'm fine with, but Mitch Trubisky is always just going to cap his ceiling. So um, I, I'm starting him. I have him in a league. I'm not going to bench him for anybody that was on the waiver, but definitely someone that you have to kind of temper expectations for when you have Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. So, 100%. absolutely. So, we can roll in here to Indiana and Jacksonville, and we'll start with Indiana. Indiana, four point favorite, over under 46.5. So, definitely some fantasy relevance in this game. Um, and I think Indiana is pretty simple. If you have Matt Ryan, he's a solid QB two, um, but I'm not starting him in a standard 12, 12 person league unless you just completely got screwed at quarterback. Uh, running back Jonathan Taylor, no doubt. Naeem Hines to keep it simple, he's a deep PPR flex, uh, you know, person there. I a little hesitant with him, but. Again, the, he had, in the PPR leagues, that's where he's going to find his value. And then wide receiver, Michael Pittman, absolute start. And then, Nick, I believe Alec Pierce is out for the rest of the season, right? Um, I didn't see. I think he got put on IR. I, I, I'm not okay. sure if it's the rest of the year, but he should be out at least four weeks. So, okay. So uh, even yeah, if he, he is out be back for a while. four weeks, I would take a look at who this second um, passing option is. If it is Neem Hines, his value is going to go up. If it's one of the other receivers or tight ends on this team, there may be value there to find on your waiver wire. So just want to throw that tidbit out there to keep an eye on the passing game in Indiana. And, and then, then uh, one one point on uh, Indianapolis here I want to make real quick is Matt Ryan is probably where I would draw my proverbial Tom Brady line, I think. Um at that point, I would keep Brady, and I would not. I would not pivot to Matt Ryan. That's not. I would not go this low to uh, to get off of Brady. I think 
that is like that is the line I would not cross. Essentially, is is the Matt Ryan line. So I think I would go down to Carson Wentz and go down to Derek Carr. If you have those guys, you can stream them. Go ahead and do it. Otherwise, uh, just keep Brady in your lineup. Yep, I I agree with that. Good point. And then on the Jacksonville side, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, uh, another mid tier quarterback too. I am one hundred percent on the side of Lawrence over Ryan. Do you agree with that one, Nick? Or are you still taking Ryan? Um, damn, that's a tough one. As a quarterback, too, I think I would lean Ryan just because of the soft matchup. Indy has a tendency to struggle in Jacksonville, uh, so we'll see if that holds year over year with the new quarterback. But, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence looked okay last week, not great. I think he has a higher probability of totally busting than Matt Ryan does, so I'd probably go Matt Ryan as my QB, too, assuming that's the decision I'm making. Gotcha. Sounds good. I'm I'm really high on Trevor Lawrence. I thought he looked pretty good last week. He did miss one throw that would have probably really had him have a really, really good week. But um yeah, with ETN coming out of the backfield with I, I just really like him. So I like this Jacksonville offense right now. And then uh into the running backs, James Robinson, Travis Etienne. I think they're both in the same category right now. Obviously a lot of people are really high on Robinson after last week. But if ETN just gets one of those touchdowns, then the week's a little bit more even. So both those guys in flex consideration for me. Um, it is it is a very tough matchup. So we're definitely going to have to see how that plays out. And then we have some some options here. So Nick, Robinson or ETN for you? Oh, man, this is really tough. I think uh, you're just going to have to go format-based here. Full PPR, I will go ETN. Half PPR and non, I will go James Robinson. All right, I like that call. And then, uh, so Robinson or Singletary? Uh, uh, again, a really tough one. I think these guys kind of profile pretty similarly as far as their role in their offense. Robinson probably has a little bit higher volume. Singletary on the better offense. So I think I'm going to go Devin Singletary just because of my belief in the player. But uh, Robinson should probably see a little bit more work, so he could be safer if you wanted to go that route. I would say I would definitely lean Robinson in that in that uh, matchup there, and then Robinson or Rashad Bateman here in like a flex position. Um, I think I would go uh, Robinson there. Rashad Bateman has a tough matchup against Miami. Saw kind of a lower target volume last week. I'm a little worried about his uh, his prospects moving forward. I think I would go to James Robinson in uh, that situation. Cool, I agree. And then wide receiver room for Jacksonville. Christian Kirk had a great week last week. He's 100% startable. I I personally like him a lot. Again, that's a lot of the Trevor Lawrence hype coming out of me. Um, but I just want to make a little tidbit, and then we can kind of just move on. But Trevor Lawrence, when he came out, was the next Andrew Luck, the next John Elway. Like, this dude obviously has talent. No surprise, a pass catcher and a solid offense with a good quarterback is going to be good. So... I like Christian Kirk a lot. I think his season-long fantasy value is going to be immense. And um, Kirk or Metcalf this week, I'm definitely taking Kirk. And then I would also take Kirk over all the other Jacksonville guys um, just because I think that the backfield is probably going to end up being pretty split over the entire season. Nick, what do you have to say about those uh, matchups? I would rank Kirk ahead of uh, Metcalf, Robinson, and ETN as well. I will say that uh, Kenny Moore is the slot corner for Indianapolis. He's a pretty good player, above average in his position, so he will have a much tougher matchup this week than he did last week against Washington. Uh, But yeah, he had 12 targets. He should be the number one guy again. You can absolutely start Kirk. He's more valuable in PPR than non, but uh, yeah, he's he's a startable asset, but maybe temper expectations a little bit with the tougher matchup. 
for sure. And then tight end, uh, wait and see on Evan Ingram. He's most likely still out there on the waiver wire. So I'll just kind of see how his involvement is in the offense. And Nick, we'll go ahead and take it off with uh, Miami and Baltimore. Miami and Baltimore. Uh, this one is a pretty interesting game. I have sort of circled sort of the this is a this is a good barometer for Miami, I believe. I think if they can hang with Baltimore, they can kind of show that they are uh, maybe true contenders this year after a good showing in week one against the Patriots. Uh, and I think this is a sneaky game to avoid because uh, I feel like both these defenses could end up kind of dominating the day here. Both, and they're, uh, both of them are very talented and showed out in week one. Uh, so we'll see how these offenses fare, but I'm kind of worried about uh, the overall game script in this, in this game for both sides. Starting with Miami, uh, Tua, he's in the uh, QB2 category. I'd put him probably right around where I'd rank Matt Ryan, maybe a little below him with a tough matchup. Uh, again, I think you're not considering him in one QB leagues quite yet. Uh, you're waiting for maybe a little bit more of a, a better matchup to stream him in a one-quarterback situation. The running back room, Chase Edmonds, uh, loved his usage last week. He was kind of the clear one, both in the running game and the passing game, which is great to see. He had 16 opportunities. I think if he can hold around 15 opportunities a week, you're hoping for about 10 carries and about five targets. He's going to be a really fine asset as a high-end flex, maybe even a low-end RB2 in full PBR leagues. Um, talking about, let's, uh, let's get a little bit of a temperature on Chase Edmonds. Uh, would you go Chase Edmonds or the guy we just talked about, Christian Kirk? I think I would go Christian Kirk in mm, probably in full PPR, and then I'd probably go Chase Edmonds in non and half PPR. Yeah, I'm a little bit more of an Edmonds fan myself. I think I'd take Edmonds. Uh, I do like Kirk, like we just talked about, but I think Edmonds has a little bit of a higher floor, just uh, you know, having the guaranteed work there, and then Kirk has the tougher matchup. For sure. The other one I want to take a look at that's kind of on the opposite end of the, the spectrum here as far as running backs and wide receivers go is Edmonds or Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders plays on Monday night against Minnesota. I think I'm going to go ahead and take Edmonds. Um, I I'm I think I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of sliding a little bit on Edmonds, but I haven't slid as far as Miles Sanders. Even though Sanders is coming off that good week one, I mean, I just want to kind of see him again, kind of prove it again that he's kind of back to where he was before I trust him over someone like Edmund, who I know is going to get enough work to be fantasy relevant one way or another. I'm a little bit higher on Miles Sanders than consensus. I think in non-PPR, I'd probably slightly lean Miles Sanders' way, but in any sort of PBR format, half or full, I'm leaning Edmonds for sure. Uh, definitely more guaranteed work for Edmonds, and like you said, Miles Sanders, we're just not exactly sure what his role is completely yet. So yep. uh, we will see on those two, but uh, Jay Edmonds is a fine play even in the tough matchup. In the wide receiver room, you're starting Tyreek Hill, even with the, uh, the bad matchup against this Baltimore secondary. Jalen Waddle's the one it's a little bit more of an interesting conversation. Probably playing him. I'd throw him in the uh, low-end wide receiver two category this week. Uh, again, I, I think his, if his target volume is going to be a little bit lower than Hill's, he's going to have bust potential week to week because he's kind of a big play guy. But as we saw last week, he can hit the home run and make it worth it off of one play. So with that being said, would you rather start Jalen Waddle or CeeDee Lamb against Cincinnati this week? Oh, why that's why are you doing that one to me? That is <laughs> I I've had a rough week with CeeDee Lamb. Because I didn't know the answer yeah. myself, so that's why I asked you. I think I think I would go CeeDee Lamb just because I, I know he's coming off of a terrible week last week, but if Dallas is gonna have any hope of staying around five hundred till Dak gets back, I think they're gonna have to feed CeeDee Lamb one way or another. 
My biggest concern there is as much crap as we talk about Tua, Cooper Rush could just be a complete disaster for the next four-ish weeks. So, ah, man, I think I would lean Lamb this week, but that one's really tough. If you went Waddle, I, I couldn't blame you there. And then Waddle or Najee Harris, Cody? I think I would lean Najee barely on this one as well. And, again, this I mean, the thing with Najee, I know he kind of said you're not listening to the designation. You're right. That injury was definitely concerning. I mean, it looked like he could have been out for multiple weeks the way he limped off the field. But um, I just that's just a volume play for me out of the running back position, especially in non-PPR and half-PPR. I would lean Harris. And well, full PPR, I would too, because I think he may end up catching more passes than Waddle does. So I think I'm fully on Najee Harris there. But again, if you chose Waddle, I couldn't blame you if you wanted to sit Harris for a week. Yeah, I think I would go Waddle in half and non and a half, excuse me, half and full PPR, Najee in non PPR, and then uh, on the Waddle and Lamb one. I honestly, I, I put that one in there because I could not decide myself. These guys are pretty much a coin flip. Yeah, uh, I think I would lean Waddle just because I believe in the offense a little more than I do with uh, Cooper Rush against Cincy. But yeah, uh, see, not, that's fair. Not that's, not that's a, a super strong good lean. point. I, I I can't even really sell Lamb to myself because I have him in a league and I can't even I don't have the courage to put him in my starting lineup this week. So I am yeah. very very concerned about Lamb as well. Tough days for CD Lamb owners right now, but yeah, it's um, it's just it's a tough call between those two for sure. I don't have a strong lean, but I think I would lean just 51-49 towards Waddle. Uh, yep. And then in the tight end room for Miami, you're not even looking Gasicki's way. He got one target, caught one pass for one yard last week. I I barely even find him in the streaming category. We've been off him all off season, and I will continue to uh, to be that way until maybe one of the other two pass catchers gets hurt in front of him and he can find himself into a uh, bigger role. Yeah. On the Baltimore side of things, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, had a really tough game against this Miami defense last year. I'm a little concerned about him this week. I mean, you're obviously starting him if he's your guy, but uh, I might temper expectations a little bit. Miami, again, has a very good defense, and this could be a tougher matchup than some people are expecting for Lamar. In the running back room, we talked about how J.K. Dobbins put in a full practice on Wednesday. That's a really good sign. He still might not play this week. It's not uh, sure one way or another, but even if he's in there, I think you're avoiding still basically at all costs. I really want to see it with J.K. first before I put him out there this long after being out. Um, I don't know how you feel, but I can't even imagine a situation where I would find J.K. Dobbins in my lineup. Yeah, not against Miami, definitely. If, if he does play this week, then I would bench him this week. Now, he did fully practice today as well. Today's Thursday. So if he has some more full practices, and let's say he misses this week and then full practices every day next week, I would feel comfortable starting him after that in like a flex level of confidence. But this week, I there's no way you should have J.K. Dobbins in your starting lineup. It is a really good sign that he uh, played again, or excuse me, practiced again today. A lot of times with these knee injuries, you see guys uh, go out and log their first or second full practice, and then they don't, you know, they're they're downgraded to limited or out the next day because their knee swells up a little bit. Uh, the fact yep. that he was able to log two full practices in a row is a very good sign for his health overall. But I maintain the point that I made earlier that I would just want to see it with Dobbins before I put him out there, especially, like you said, in a tough matchup against Miami. So... Hopefully he gets out there and he's healthy. I think that's all you're looking for, not necessarily the stat sheet there with Dobbins. And then in the wide receiver room, uh, Rashad Bateman, he kind of his hold at his flex level value. He had a big touchdown catch last week, but that was pretty much all he did. 
Uh, an underrated tough matchup against the Jets secondary that might be a little bit better this year, especially with Sauce Gardner as the number one corner. He could end up uh, being a tough matchup for, for most wide receivers. So maybe Bateman just kind of ran into a, a tough guy there, and that's not somebody that you know we have on our radar quite yet. But uh, with that being said, he has another tough matchup with uh, probably Xavier Howard on him a lot of the time uh, in this Miami game. You're still starting him with flex level confidence, but I have a few names I want to throw out there and see how you're feeling on Rashad Bateman. Would you start Rashad Bateman or Darnell Mooney, Cody? I would start Darnell Mooney. I, would you start in, Rashad? Sorry, in all the in all formats, I would start Darnell Mooney over Bateman. Interesting to see your confidence in Mooney. We'll talk about him later when we get to yep. Bears Packers, but um, Rashad Bateman or Kareem Hunt? I would also start Kareem Hunt in all formats. Full PPR, I would consider Bateman, but I think I'm still leaning Hunt just because they're gonna have to they're gonna have to lean on that running game very heavily or the running backs. Yeah, He's think, probably gonna be involved in the passing game just out of the backfield like he was last week. I think I would bet on Hunt catching more passes than Bateman anyway, to be honest. And yeah. then uh, Rashad Bateman or in the same game Chase Edmonds. Same thing here. I think I'd go Chase Edmonds. I just think the volume is guaranteed with Edmonds and Bateman. Again, maybe Gardner's just the next you know, top cornerback in the league, and we just don't know it yet, but I want to see Bateman do it um, before I'm going to put him in there over, especially a running back that I know is going to get touches. Yeah, I, uh, I totally understand where you're coming from there. Personally, I think I would go Hunt, Edmonds, Bateman, and then Mooney. Uh, Mooney also has a very tough matchup this week against Jair Alexander. He is uh, the clear number one in his offense, and they should probably throw more than uh, Baltimore does. But we'll see with those two. I think they kind of both fall into a similar category there, uh, Bateman and Mooney do. And the tight end room, Mark Andrews, you're certainly starting him. Had a slightly disappointing week last week, but uh, all tight ends will occasionally do that. He'll be just fine. He's in your lineup. Uh, anything else on Baltimore and Miami, or do you want to move on to the Falcons and the Rams, Cody? Nope. I will go ahead and start here with Falcons-Rams. So Atlanta going to Los Angeles. The Rams favored by 10.5 points over under 47.5. Is this the biggest point spread of the week, Nick? I feel like it has to be. Uh, I think half. it's That's this huge. one and uh, Denver and Houston are oh. is the only other one that nice. uh, is ten points as well. Cool. So. I mean, that's a bit, that's a, giving the Rams a lot of credit there, which they obviously deserve. But we'll start on the Atlanta side. QB, Marcus Mariota, low in QB2. Honestly, I think that he, he – the designed runs last week is where he's going to find his fantasy value. The issue is it's hard to bet on him because he's been injury prone in his career. And if he's going to be running the ball that much, it's definitely a sign that he may get banged up at some point. But – if you need a uh, QB2 option, he's definitely a viable one right now. Running back, Cordero Patterson, until further, noti- until further notice, you start him. I mean, he looked amazing last week, and uh, apparently he is just right back to the way he was last year, surprisingly enough. But Algier should suit up this week, so hopefully next guy does get a couple touches and we get to see that uh, explosive athleticism. Wide receiver, Drake London. Great week one. I think you're definitely um, – I think you could definitely play him at the flex position. It is a tough matchup. He might get oh, – I would say Jalen Ramsey definitely didn't uh, shadow Diggs last week, so I think that you were right. You called that properly. So it's a tough matchup, but I definitely could see Drake London still being flex uh, worthy. And then I'll kind of group all three of these together here for you because I know how they lay out for me. London, Bateman, and Lazard. Go ahead and rank those guys for me, Nick. 
London, Bateman, and Lazard. I think I would go uh, London in the order that you gave to me. London, Bateman, and Lazard. Uh, I would consider Lazard over Bateman in a non-PPR situation because he probably has a better chance to score a touchdown. But coming off that injury, I'd kind of like to see what his target share looks like before I start him. So I think I would go in the order you gave to me. London, Bateman, and then Lazard. Yep, I'd go London, Lazard, Bateman, but we'll get into Lazard here in a little bit. I'm a little bit higher on him than uh, after last week for sure. And then tight end, Kyle Pitts, you're starting him if you drafted him. I know last week was disappointing, but if you spend a third or fourth round pick on your tight end, you're kind of locked and loaded on that guy unless they're just a complete flop. So go ahead and start him again. He's bound to have a better week. And then on the Rams side, Matthew Stafford. Low-end QB1, this is definitely one of those guys that you're starting over Tom Brady if that's an option for you. Um, a good matchup. They're coming off of a very rough week last week, and I think that they're just a smash play all around. I expect them to put up a lot of points after getting embarrassed in prime time last week. Uh, Daryl Henderson, definitely a solid running back too. Um, and I love what Nick pointed out here. Definitely don't expect the share to be quite as drastic as it was last week, but um, he's Still the starter for right now, so I'd, I'd start him with that RB2 confidence. And then Akers, you just want to wait and see. Um, hopefully he gets more involved this week, and maybe there was a lingering injury that kind of slowed him down last week. And then in the wide receiver room, Cooper Cup obviously must start. And then Allen Robinson, this is a huge week for him. I This would be the last week I would have confidence starting him, but... Um, if, I mean, unless he has a good week, obviously. But this is the last week I'm going to have, like, confidence that he could potentially have another good year in him. Um, so I start him if you drafted him. And at a, I would say wide receiver three to flex level confidence. Nick, i got three more names here for you. I'm going to give them to you. And the way I would rank them, I would go Kirk, London, and then Robinson. Uh, are you the same there, or would you uh, switch that order up at all? Uh, yeah, I would definitely have Kirk at the top of that group. Um, the, the next two are tougher for me. I really liked what I saw out of London last week, but again, you have a tough matchup here against the Rams defense, uh, possibly seeing a decent amount of Jalen Ramsey on the outside for Drake London. So I'm going to bet on the offense for one more week. I'll take Allen Robinson over Drake London, but not with a ton of confidence. Um, I kind of like both of them as flex plays, but I would slightly lean Robinson over London. Fair enough. And then last but not least, the tight end position, Tyler Higby. Uh, target share was definitely great last week, and he was out on the field quite a bit. So he is a um, – I would say he's in the higher higher tier of the streaming category right now. Uh, if he's going to get that much target share, he's definitely going to be a tight end worth keeping around. So definitely someone who – if he's out on your waiver wire still, may want to take a look at adding him depending on who you have starting this week. But, Nick, if you don't have anything else, you can lead us into the next game. Seattle and San Francisco, another game that we're looking at a pretty low over-under here uh, at 41.5. San Francisco favored by 9.5 points. That does not leave a lot of room for Seattle to score points on offense. So we'll start with their, uh, their guys here. Geno Smith, uh, we're not really even entertaining. Uh, but last week he looked pretty decent in the first half but again you got a tough defense on the road he kind of showed his colors in the second half there we're not looking geno smith's way quite yet uh for a streamer rashad penny um 
I'm kind of interested to see what happens here with Kenneth Walker. I think he might actually suit up this week, so uh, that is something to monitor. But coming off of that hernia surgery, I don't think he's going to be thrown into the fire. And Rashad Penny looked pretty good in the touches that he got last week, so I expect him to still be the lead guy. I think I would, yeah, I'd put him in the uh, the flex level confidence, maybe even low end flex level confidence, just because uh, San Francisco has a great front seven, and I don't know how well uh, you know Seattle's going to be able to compete in this game. So if they get down big early, you might not see a ton of penny after that. Um, and then yeah, now we're not starting Kenneth Walker quite yet. We're just kind of seeing his involvement and uh, monitoring for future weeks. Wide receiver room, DK Metcalf is really the only guy I'm considering. Uh, he led in targets for Seattle pretty significantly and uh, did catch all seven of the balls thrown his way, but only 38 yards, very uncharacteristic for him. He's usually a, a lower catch, higher uh, you know, yards per catch guy rather than the other way around. But good to see that they're at least trying to get him involved in the offense uh, when routes downfield don't develop. I think he falls into that low-end streamer category that we've been talking about with Rashad Bateman and uh, you know some of these other guys, but I'm kind of I'm, I'm ranking him towards the bottom of that list with the tough matchup and just you know the, the horrible quarterback situation. And then Tyler Lockett is in the same boat, but just a notch below. I'd call him a boom bust flex, but I'd really be trying to find better options there. I don't love Lockett. Didn't see a ton of targets last week, and he's going to have to hit a home run to to be worth it. So I would probably be avoiding Lockett if possible. And then uh, same with the tight end room in Seattle. You had three different guys catch at least two passes. Uh, that's not something I'm trying to mess with. If Noah Fant emerges later in the year, he might be a streaming candidate. But for now, you're avoiding all Seattle tight ends and uh, waiting for somebody to to emerge there. San Francisco, uh, this is where the, the fantasy options get a little bit more interesting. Trey Lance, a really disappointing week one. I'm hoping that he can get some decent weather so he has a chance to really show what he can do, uh, especially on the passing side of things. Has a pretty good matchup against Seattle. This is kind of, I wouldn't call it a make or break week quite yet for Lance. It's a little early to go that route, but he really needs to show us something this week. Otherwise, he's going to have uh, people clamoring for his backup to be put in. Um on the running back side, uh, Jeff Wilson is the new starter. Elijah Mitchell will be out for about two months. So at, at the moment, Wilson is the guy. I've kind of talked about talked about earlier in this episode how I don't have a ton of confidence in him uh, moving forward. But for this week, I think you can definitely expect him to, to get the bulk of the carries. And, you know, he falls into that low-end RB2 category against a, a pretty – Good matchup. Seattle didn't look uh, like world beaters on the defensive side against Denver last week. I think Wilson should be fine, but not my favorite play. Uh, again, just with the, the the potential of the rookies stepping in and taking work from him, I'd throw him in the low-end RB2 category. If you paid up for him, uh, that probably means you need him and you're most likely starting him, but uh, I wouldn't have a ton of confidence. And then on the rookies to Jordan Mason and Davis Price, uh, I don't really know where to go here as far as a flyer. I think they're both pretty much the same. One or the other could just as easily emerge there in San Francisco. So I don't mind picking one of these guys up and seeing how involved they are, but you're not starting them yet, and these guys are just flyers on your bench for now. Wide receiver room, Devo Samuel, you're definitely starting him. He might be their best running back and their best wide receiver simultaneously. So uh, he's going to get involved in the offense one way or another. Brandon Ayuk, we talked about earlier. I think I'm avoiding Ayuk pretty much in any circumstance. Um, only two targets last week. Again, uh, a lower pass volume day uh, with the, the horrible conditions, but... Still, only two targets in a game where uh, there was no George Kittle is pretty concerning for me. There should be no Kittle again, so 
he's got a chance, but um, I think there are better options out there. I'm not really, uh, you know, I'm not looking Ayuk's way this week. Just kind of want to see it from him first. And then George Kittle, if he plays, I think you're playing him. But, um, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this week. I would make other plans. Anything you want to add on this game? Nope, you nailed it. I am going to go ahead and move into Cincinnati and Dallas. And just for the listeners, if you fast-forwarded to this point or something like that, I'm probably going to go through these relatively quick. So if you have any extra questions that we don't get to, any certain players, anything like that, just let us know. We'd be more than happy to help you out. I just do not want to miss the uh, start of the game. So Cincinnati at Dallas, Cincinnati (laughs) seven-point favorites over under 41-and-a-half. I'll make this very simple for Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, you're starting. Joe Mixon, you're starting. Jamar Chase, you're starting. And with with no doubt on those three. T. Higgins, if he plays, I'm going to have him in my lineup, but just keep an eye on him. Um, it'll probably be a Sunday morning decision for this team whether or not he plays, depending on concussion protocol. And then Tyler, Boer, Tyler Boyd is a pretty good option if T. Higgins doesn't play. Um, if Higgins does play, Tyler Boyd's a – low-end flex option in a super deep league, um, and you're really just open on a touchdown for him. And then Hayden Hurst, this passing offense is so good, I'm still going to monitor his usage, but uh, there should be better options for you this week. And then on the Dallas side, QB, Cooper Rush, absolutely not. The running back room, Zeke and Tony Pollard, I think are viable options. First was Zeke, um, probably – RB2 category for you, but you're not going to have a lot of confidence with Cooper Rush being the quarterback. Here's my biggest thing is if it's first down and they choose a pass play, if Cooper Rush gets sacked four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage, then those next two plays are automatic passing plays, and there's a chance that they go to Tony Pollard instead of Zeke. So as is someone who has a lot of Zeke, I'm very concerned for these next few weeks. And then Tony Pollard, I think he does get a little bit of a bump up because the um, dump down game may just be at an all-time high with a young, not young, but an inexperienced, iffy quarterback back there. So I don't mind if you need him in your flex this week. And then uh, Zeke, again, like I said, just kind of concerned long-term, but you're definitely starting him this week. Wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, you're probably starting him unless you're just in a really shallow league, but definitely you know sad overall to see him to see Dak go down and then him just have a rough week last week but I think that um you know I think he's gonna be fine just because he's the first option but like how much are we really gonna trust Cooper Rush it's hard to decide and then uh Nick I actually have a really good question for you here this is something I'm contemplating between three guys and this is a full PPR league CeeDee Lamb Gabe Davis or Jeff Wilson for my flex spot I would go Gabe Davis, C.D. Lamb, and then Jeff Wilson out of those three, especially in full PBR. Like you said, C.D. should see quite a few targets. So even if he doesn't have a huge day, I expect he'll catch six or seven balls and kind of yep. you know, save you from a PBR perspective. Yep, that's what I was thinking as well. And then Dalton Schultz, my guy Dalton Schultz, he was supposed to be top three this year, but darn, it's hard to see that with Dak going down. Um my big thing Tough with Dalton times. Schultz, I my, I would hold on to him. I would consider him kind of in the streaming category right now. I would try to hold on to him because his value might come back when Dak comes back. But how many fantasy options are we really going to trust Cooper Rush to support over the next couple of weeks? If you have to go get yourself another tight end, I completely understand. But I'm going to try and hold his roster spot unless I absolutely have to drop him. 
Yeah, I think Dalton Schultz still is probably in the low-end starting category, even with Cooper Rush there. So unless you want to trade for a better tight end just because you're really concerned about it, I get it. But like you said, you'd be selling low. I don't mind just hanging on to Dalton Schultz. I think he'll be fine as far as tight ends go. He'll be a, a fine streamer. Cool. I agree with you. Moving on to the Arizona and Vegas game. Uh, this one is in Las Vegas. Vegas favored by five and a half points. A very, very juicy 51 and a half over under. Starting on the Arizona side. Um, I think you're starting Kyler Murray this week. Uh, last week did not look very good. I mean, I know the Chiefs are, are a, a great team, but their defense is not supposed to be an elite unit, and uh, they, they really just pummeled the, the Cardinals while the game was any sort of competitive. Uh, I thought the Cardinals would put up a little bit more of a fight there, so I'm hoping to see more from this offense this week. But a high over-under, uh, Kyler Murray should be just fine. He'll put up stats one way or, or another. Uh, the running back room, James Conner, you're certainly starting him. He was basically the only guy in there while uh, the game was competitive. So I'm totally fine starting Connor. Again, not a scary matchup and a high over-under. Uh, I like both of those things. Hollywood Brown, uh, a, a concerning week last week, did save you with a touchdown. Didn't really have any uh, even deep shots that I saw in that game. Wasn't featured quite as much as I kind of thought he would be. Hopefully, Kyler Murray looks his way a little bit more this week. Again, a high over-under game and uh, an atmosphere for points on both sides. I think Brown is still in the wide receiver two category. I would go back to him again, but I'm hoping the usage is a little bit different this week. And then uh, I think you're just waiting and seeing on all the other Cardinals options. No thank you on A.J. Green. Um... No, thank you. Rondell Moore is actually, I think, still going to be out. He did not practice again today. So Greg Dortch, an interesting deep league PPR flyer. If you want to make it, he got nine targets last week. He's probably going to be the slot guy absent Rondell Moore. So if you're in a super deep league and you need an option for a PPR, Greg Dortch is not a horrible play. And then on the tight end room, Zach Ertz. um, Apparently he was on a snap count last week. So that may have been part of the reason he was a little bit muted in his production. Might be a little bit more featured this week. Again, a high over-under game. I'm just fine starting Zach Ertz. I'd put him in the uh, you know mid-tier tight end one category, uh, but that's really not that hard to find yourself in uh, with how terrible yeah. the tight end position is. Uh, on the Las Vegas side of things, uh, Derek Carr, he is a actually an interesting streamer for me this week. I'd probably put him in the low-end QB1 kit territory with the great matchup against what could be just a horrible defense with Arizona and the high over-under at home. Arizona should make Las Vegas throw the ball a bit, uh, and Derek Carr could put up some stats as a result against a weak defense. So great option in a super flex league as your QB2 and maybe even an option as your QB1. Again, I would start him over Tom Brady if you're able to make that pivot. On the running back side, I'm uh, I'm just fine starting Josh Jacobs. I was actually kind of encouraged by his week one. The totals weren't there from the stat perspective, but did not cede any early down work to Zamir White. Looks like Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah are going to split that third down work, so he might not get that, but uh, that's not really what we were hoping for from Jacobs. I think he's got a really good chance of scoring a touchdown. And, um, you know, I have no problem putting him as your RB2, and he's even, I'd call him a high end flex if you have him in that spot as well. So you can go ahead and start Jacobs. Uh, Brandon Bolden, uh, he might have some value later in the year. Again, if he ends up securing that third down role, he could find himself in a Naheem Hines type of deep league PPR flex situation. But we'll just kind of see how that develops with Brandon Bolden not starting him yet. We're keeping an eye on him. Uh, wide receiver room for the Raiders, Devontae Adams, absolutely. Hunter Renfro, 
Uh, he is interesting because of the matchup. Again, uh, there should be a lot of points to go around here, but uh, it was kind of concerning last week to only see six targets. We sort of saw the Devontae Adams effect for both Renfro and Waller in this offense, um, hoping he can work his way into the game plan a little bit more. But if Devontae Adams is going to be as good as he was, it's going to be hard for Renfro to be consistent week to week. Uh, but again, this week, like him as a flex because of the matchup, like him more in uh, PPR leagues than not. Darren Waller would find himself in the same category as Renfro from uh, just an overall perspective, but he's a tight end, so you're starting him. Uh, again, against a, a weak defense here in Arizona with a high-scoring atmosphere, I like Darren Waller as a mid-tier starter at the position. Anything you want to add on Arizona or Vegas, or do you want to move on to Houston-Denver? Nope, I will take on Houston-Denver here. So Denver is favored by 10 points over under 46, so... Uh, pretty decent game here. Houston, QB, Davis Mills. I don't think anyone's starting them even in a 2QB or Superflex league. Um, and I think it may be a tough matchup. Uh, Denver does have a pretty good secondary, even though they were kind of diced up by uh, Geno Smith a little bit. But he did. He still didn't end up with the numbers to make you concerned. Uh, running back, Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead. I agree with Nick. Burkhead is a little bit interesting in a deep PPR flex, but I think that's it. I'm hoping Damian Pierce comes out, gets a better, bigger workload. Their coaching staff did come out and say they want to get him more involved, but if they're going to be splitting work, it's going to be hard to see either of these two being fantasy relevant and you know a pretty iffy offense. And then um, Brandon Cooks. I think he's still a solid RB or wide receiver too, but he could have Patrick Sertain on him, and we saw what Patrick Sertain did to the passing options in Seattle last week. Um, and then tight end, I, no one, no one of note that you need to worry about starting or keeping an eye on at this point. For Denver, Russell Wilson, if you drafted him, you're starting him. I think he's still, he's definitely, he's not even close to a streamer yet. I know you're not probably too happy with Week One, but. Um, he'll get there still first week and then running back Javante Williams I'm starting him for sure Melvin Gordon I don't mind him in the flex play um, got a good amount of the rushing work now the receiving work all went to Javante pretty much so if Melvin Gordon could get maybe a couple more pass opportunities I'd like him a little bit more and then Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy I would honestly I would smash both these guys, uh, smash play both of them. So I think that, yeah, that's going to be a really bad edit there. I, <laughs> uh, both these guys I like a lot. I Again, we've been high on both of them for the entire time. Um, Judy or Christian Kirk, I'm still leaning Jerry Judy. And Judy or Brandon oh, Cooks, I would also lean Jerry Judy just because of Cooks' tough matchup. And then Alberto, uh, streaming category, he's definitely a, probably a good backup option if you were banking on someone like Kittle being healthy or something like that. Nick, I hope you have it together over there. Let's hear your thoughts. <laughs> oh, man, I just I really want that to be clipped for me so I could uh, play that <laughs> over for us again at a future date because that was, that was pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I mostly agree. Obviously, I'm a little biased for my Denver boys. I have a lot of investment in them, both fantasy and monetarily, but... <laughs> uh, Javante clearly a smash play Melvin Gordon a good flex this week especially in non-PPR uh, should get 10 to 12 carries against a weak defense and yeah like you said Cortland Sutton Jerry Judy I am smash playing both these guys uh, smashing both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy so <laughs> uh, and Alberto definitely finds himself in the streaming category he actually got a decent amount of volume yeah last he week, looked six pretty targets, good last week so 
yeah. yeah, he might actually be a viable option at the tight end position, which are hard to come by. Um, so, moving on to the Sunday night game, Chicago and Green Bay. Green Bay favored by 10 points at home over the Bears. The over-under only 42.5 points does not leave much for the Chicago side. We'll start there uh, at the QB position, Justin Fields. I would call him, um, you know, maybe a mid-tier QB2 in Superflex leagues, not considering him as a streamer in one QB leagues with this tough matchup. So uh, at the moment, we're just we're just kind of keeping fields on our bench and just waiting and seeing on him. Hopefully get a little bit better of a uh, field conditions in this game to actually see what he can do in, uh, you know, a non-rain-drenched situation. So on the running back room, David Montgomery, you're probably starting him, but you're tempering expectations with this tough Green Bay defense. And again, the low over-under says all you need to hear about what Vegas thinks about how uh, the Chicago offense is going to do. I'm not excited about starting Montgomery, but he's probably in your lineup as your RB2 if you drafted him. And then Khalil Herbert, uh, not quite to the point where I'm considering him in a flex spot, but definitely worth holding on to on your bench and seeing if he can work his way into a more substantial role in this offense. Uh, the wide receiver room, this is kind of an interesting uh, conversation here. You're a little bit higher on Darnell Mooney than I am this week. I um, you know, definitely expect a bounce back in the form of targets for Darnell Mooney this week. I think he will see a lot more than one that he saw last week. Kind of hard not to see more than he did last week. But uh, can you just give me a little bit on why you are a little bit higher on Mooney this week uh, than maybe consensus? Yeah, Jair Alexander is a really good point that you brought up earlier in the show. I mean, if he shadows him the whole game, then that's really going to kind of kill my Mooney expectations. But for one, I mean, I feel like he's just he's the ultimate volume play. I mean, him and Cole Komet, which we're going to talk about here in a second, I just think that there's a chance that you know he could get 10 to 12 targets. And even if he just hauls in a couple of them and gets a touchdown, he's going to be fantasy relevant enough for me to start him. Um, but I, you did make a good point with Jair Alexander. That does ultimately cap his upside, I think. But um, I don't know. I still like him. Like I said, just I, I have a note here. Like the, Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle. Like I'm not really worried about the other receiving options on this team. So if they're in a position where they're going to have to pass the ball, I think Komet and Mooney are going to be the top two guys that are just going to get the volume enough this week to be fantasy relevant. Last week is just. Same thing I said about the 49ers. I'm just throwing it away for these two teams because it was played in a monsoon. So, Darnell Mooney, complete volume play. I may be wrong, and Jair might shut him down for this week, but at this point, I think if you drafted him, he's a flying flex play and has the volume, will get the volume capable enough to be a really good starter for you this week. Definitely uh, expect to bounce back in for, in the form of targets this week for sure, one way or another. So he should see more volume uh, than he did last week, no question. And same goes for Cole Komet in the tight end room. Um, if, like Cody has a note here, that if he was dropped in your league, I think he's someone you probably want to target if you're looking for a tight end upgrade. I like Komet season long still. Uh, didn't get a target last week, but again, uh, not much can be taken from the game against San Francisco last week with the conditions the way they were. So I think Komet is in line for a bounce back, and he's a fine option as a low-end tight end one for me. Uh, on the Green Bay side, Aaron Rodgers looking for a bounce back himself. I think uh, he'll be just fine this week against the Bears. If you drafted him to be your starter, I'm not pivoting off of him. He notoriously plays very well against Chicago and gets to play at home off coming off Partial of a loss owner. in week one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so <laughs> I think uh, Rodgers will be just fine this week, and you should see a bounce back from him. 
Same goes for Aaron Jones in the running back room. He's a smash play as a low-end RB1. Um, I'm not incredibly worried about him just yet. I think he'll be fine in the season-long side of things and will be extremely necessary to this passing game as the season moves along. So I'm playing Aaron Jones, and I am definitely playing A.J. Dillon as well. I could see a situation where Green Bay leads in the second half and Dillon ends up grinding away the game. So yep. he should see a decent amount of volume and has a really good chance at scoring a touchdown as well. I'm... Just fine playing Jones and Dylan from the Packers' side. From the wide receiver room, hopefully Alan Lazard gets out there and we can see if he is truly the wide receiver one in this offense and maybe um, you know emerges as a legitimate fantasy option. I'm probably avoiding if I can this week. I don't mind throwing him into your flex in a non-PPR situation. He's probably got a pretty good shot of the touchdown if he's healthy, but I would want to see it first with Lazard before I'm confident playing him. And then the rookies, Dobbs and Christian Watson. I like what I saw out of Christian Watson last week. Obviously dropped the long touchdown, but I think if he had caught that ball, we'd be talking about him as a pretty hot waiver wire ad. And, you know, the process was still there. Uh, he beat his defender. He just got to hold on to that catch, and I think you'll get better as you go along. Rookie wide receivers usually do that. He saw a lot of snaps as well. So I'll be interested to see how much each of these guys plays if Alan Lazard is back. And in the tight end room, Robert Tunyon, uh, Cody's guy, uh, actually looked pretty good last week for uh, a first week back off an ACL. Pretty uh, short recovery there for Tunyon as well. Tore it pretty late in the year last year. I like him uh, moving forward. I think he'll only get better as the year goes on. If he emerges as the one or the two in this offense, he could be an extremely valuable piece as a low-end starter. If you want to stream him this week, you can, but you're probably betting on a touchdown at this point. I'm not sure he's to the point where he's going to get six to seven targets in a game. So... Wait and see on Tunyon. If you have to stream, go ahead. But I like his season-long prospects right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Aaron Rodgers, smash play. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. I'm starting both of them with some good confidence. Now, my thing with Alan Lazard and the other wide receivers, and you can even throw Robert Tanyan in that same group with Alan Lazard, is we know how weird Aaron Rodgers can get when it comes to rookie wide receivers. And I'm not saying that he's going to hold that drop against Christian Watson, but if Christian Watson comes out this week and is barely targeted, I would not be surprised. So I still think that Christian Watson has the talent to definitely be there. And you're right, if he catches that ball and takes it in the end zone, he's getting added in every single league. Um, I just want to make sure that Rodgers isn't going to pull one of his power trips and just not target him because he dropped that touchdown on him last week. Only thing I'm thinking about. The only difference I see with this version of the team as opposed to years past is that Rodgers really doesn't have an option other than needing Christian Watson to be his guy. You know, he needs a guy that could take the top off of the defense. I think he's the only person that has the capability of doing that uh, on the wide receiver core of the Packers right now. So I, I'm not sure if he really has an option other than to let Christian Watson have his rookie growing pains and work him into the offense. Otherwise, he's just going to be dealing with a lot of, you know, the same kind of wide receivers that don't offer him the same explosiveness that Watson does. So I think he is extremely necessary to what the Packers want to do. That's the only reason I would say I think he gets Fair worked enough. in at some point this year. Absolutely. And then I'm going to go ahead and roll us just straight into the um, Sunday night football game, Tennessee at Buffalo. Uh, on the Monday Tennessee football, side. Excuse me, is that Monday? I thought Philadelphia. There's two and, Monday night football games actually this week. Wow. For a guy who follows the NFL, you think you know that. I was so thrown off when you called the other game Sunday night football. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. All right. Here it's... we go. Tennessee, Buffalo. Back to back to where we at. Okay. Tennessee favored or Buffalo favored by ten points over under forty eight and a half. 
Uh, definitely a lot of Buffalo uh, players you're going to want to start in this one. Starting here with Tennessee, though, Ryan Tannehill, low-end low QB2 option and super flex and 2QB for me. Um, definitely not someone. I mean, I would start Derek Carr. I would even start Trevor Lawrence over Ryan Tannehill uh, if you need someone in a 1QB league. Uh, running back, Derrick Henry, I hope he has a bounce-back week because he definitely had a rough week. Um, rough week one, but... Um, I expect that or I expect him to bounce back and uh, kind of return to normal form. And then the wide receiver options on this team, Traylon Burks and Robert Woods. I want to stay away from both of them, but if I have to start one, it's going to be Traylon Burks um, in my flex spot in like one of my deep leagues. And then on the Buffalo side, Josh Allen, you're starting them. And then I'm also just going to say Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. I think both those are automatic starts right now because this passing game looks really, really good. And then in the running back room is where it gets a little bit more choppy. Out of these three guys, Devin Singletary is definitely the one I'd play with most confidence, but it wouldn't be more than flex level confidence. Um, I think everyone in this backfield is just a low-end option, and you're hoping that one of them gets into the end zone, and Singletary would have the best odds to do that. And with Zach Moss and James Cook, I mean, they're both sick candidates. You could even potentially drop them if there's someone out there that you want more. I just think this backfield is going to look like a 50-30-20 split, and if Singletary gets into the end zone, he's going to be worth the play. If one of these other guys gets in the end zone, this whole backfield's probably going to be close to worthless for me. So that, I'm down on all three. Singletary is the only one I'd consider. And then the two lower-end pass catchers on this team, Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox. I don't mind Isaiah McKenzie for a DFS dart throw. Uh, week one was very promising for him. And then on the opposite side of that is Dawson Knox. He seemed to be, he seemed to be stuck blocking a lot of last week. Um, in a game where they were throwing the ball all over the field. I'm concerned for me, but well, he is what he is. He's a low-end streaming candidate. You kind of just have to hope he gets a touchdown. I would definitely go out there and see if someone like a Cole Komet or someone like that's out there on your waiver wire. Uh, Nick, I know I flew through all those and didn't really give you any time to talk. Do you have anything you want to combat or uh, or say about these two teams? No, I agree completely on the Buffalo side. The only thing I'll push back uh, on there with the Buffalo side is that Isaiah McKenzie, I was hoping to see a little bit higher of a snap share. He pretty much split the slot duties with Jamison Crowder last week. I'm hoping he can emerge as the starter there. Uh, he was coming off an injury uh, earlier in the week as well, so that may have contributed. But if he is uh, the starting slot guy, he becomes interesting. If they split the work half and half, he's pretty much just a DFS guy for me. Uh, not really going to find his way into any of my season-long lineups if that's the case and then on the Tennessee side uh Traylon Burks I like how you say you noted that uh he was the guy you preferred I agree he only had 35 percent of the snaps last week still produced five targets and over 50 yards uh he'll get better as he goes he's a rookie wide receiver he's the guy you want to own right now in Tennessee from the wide receiver room and then Derrick Henry uh definitely starting him this week absolutely hoping for a bounce back but I will say it was a little concerning to see Dontrell Hilliard as the third down back if they sure. get down big early, Derrick Henry could have a rough day. You're going to kind of hope that Tennessee stays competitive in this one for Derrick Henry's prospects. Yep. Um, but moving on to the final Monday night football game here, we've got Minnesota <laughs> and Philadelphia. Philadelphia favored by two points at home in an over-under at 50.5. You want pieces in this game. Should be a pretty good scoring atmosphere starting on the Minnesota side. Uh, Kirk Cousins kind of is who he is. He's going to be in that back-end starting category. I would play him. 
over uh, a Tom Brady if you have him. I'd probably even play him over a Derek Carr, even in that good matchup against Arizona. But uh, Kirk Cousins, kind of just your quintessential QB 10 or 11 uh, most weeks, and he's a solid guy to play this week as well in uh, what should be a pretty high-scoring game. Dalvin Cook, you're absolutely playing him. Uh, he had 23 opportunities last week, and I know that the the Philadelphia Eagles have a tough uh, front seven on paper, but DeAndre Swift just absolutely went crazy on them last week, so I'm not worried about Cook. He should be fine. Justin Jefferson, absolutely. He's the number one wide receiver in all of football, so you're playing him. Adam Thielen's the one that's a little bit more of a question. Uh, only three catches for 36 yards last week on four targets. This is kind of what Thielen does. Uh, you're probably going to be disappointed if you don't get a touchdown out of him, but in a game with a high over-under, I don't mind flexing him. I think he's a fine option. Uh, better option in non-PPR than half or full because of his touchdown upside and his low, uh, low reception totals uh, in general. And then Irv Smith. Uh, really disappointing last week that he didn't get involved in the offense whatsoever. They didn't really need to do much against Green Bay because they only scored seven points, but still, I'm sitting Irv Smith until I see it, not even on the streaming radar for me as of now. Uh, hopefully he gets more involved in the offense as the season goes. On the Philly side, Jalen Hurts is an automatic start. I'm not incredibly concerned what I saw last week uh, from the Minnesota Vikings defense against Rodgers. They were pretty bad last year, and uh, even if they're much much improved, Hurts' rushing upside will keep him in the starting category. On the running back room, uh, Miles Sanders we talked about earlier. Uh, he is a fine play this week. Again, we have a favorite team at home with a high over-under. Miles Sanders should see plenty of carries against a front seven that is a little suspect. Very beatable, I would say, uh, at the very least. Uh, he should be a low-end RB2 slash flex play for you. Um, and if you if you have Sanders in your starting lineup, don't you don't need to pivot off of him. He's a guy you can start. Um, and then you're just kind of keeping an eye on Gainwell and Scott. I like rostering both these guys because if something were to happen to Sanders or one of the other two, they would become very valuable. Lots of rushing totals to go around here in Philadelphia with a great offensive line and a run-heavy run team. So two guys you want to roster. If you want to throw Gainwell in your flex, you can, but I think I'm probably waiting until this running back room gets condensed a little bit to uh, to start the auxiliary options. In the wide receiver room, uh, A.J. Brown, 100%, you're starting him. Devontae Smith, uh, we're holding him on the bench, not dropping him yet. Uh, he's a second-year wide receiver and a really high draft capital one at that, so I think the better days are ahead for Devonta Smith, but I want to see it before I throw him in the lineup. Maybe a DFS dart throw. I think a lot of people will be off him this week. Uh, so he has a pretty good matchup against Minnesota. No reason that he can't uh, improve his production from last week. But still, uh, coming off that tough game against Detroit, I'm, I'd be hard-pressed to start him uh, in a redraft league. And the Dallas guard, if he drafted him, be your starter. He's your starter. Uh, and again, he should be pretty good this week in what profiles to be a high-scoring game and not necessarily a tough matchup against Minnesota either. So Goddard's in your lineup 100%. Anything you want to add on Minnesota and Philly, Cody? Nope. I think you nailed it on both teams. Uh, I agree. I won a lot of parts of this game because this should be a really fun one to end the week. Uh, just want to plug, betting episode will be out Saturday morning, so make sure to take a look at that one. But besides that, Nick, I have a cold beer calling my name, so I am ready to hop on out of here. Get after it, Cody. Uh, good luck to the Chargers tonight. Hopefully they ruin your evening, and uh, we will talk Chiefs. to everyone soon. <laughs> Peace, Peace out, out everybody.